You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. We have uh, a great conversation today. We are talking to the United Cerebral Palsy Association of Greater Indiana about cerebral palsy. We have uh, many dedicated people on the the Zoom here. That's how we're doing these through the pandemic. And we're going to talk a little bit about what cerebral palsy is and how they're uh, fighting it. And first up is Mike Fodderell. He is the executive director and a longtime board member of the United Cerebral Palsy Association of Greater Indiana. Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah, glad to be here, Chris. And also with us is Lee White. He has been on the board of directors for a very long time. Lee, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us, Chris. And uh, last but certainly not least is Tracy Ford, who is also a board member and the son, uh, the parent of a son uh, who has cerebral palsy. So let's let's start with what is cerebral palsy and uh, how does it affect those afflicted with it and how, how does it develop? Let's start with um, Tracy because this is very personal for you and it's it, it's brought home with your son. So what is cerebral palsy for those who don't know much about it? Uh, cerebral palsy affects uh, many children. I'm going to actually have Mike go into more depth with regard to that. However, uh, my son actually uh, suffered a stroke at birth. And uh, at the time, they told us that he will likely not walk, talk, or uh, have the ability to eat on his own. Um, and so cerebral palsy became a component of that. Um, his, he's a thriving, uh, thir- almost 13-year-old. Um, he plays baseball. He, he is uh, keeping up with the kids in his class. Um, so his is mild, uh, more of a mild. He, um, his right arm tightens up when he runs. Um, his gait is off when he runs. Um, that sort of thing. But, um, but very proud of where he is and, uh, and what cerebral palsy um, how we've been able to just manage that through this group. That's excellent. And so Mike, tell us a little bit more about cerebral palsy. Sure. So cerebral palsy is the most common form of physical disability. Uh, It affects people. um, It can be mild or severe. Um, It really affects uh, people's motor functions. So it is a a neuromuscular condition. Uh, It's usually caused by some kind of trauma at birth. Um, As Tracy said, her son had a stroke. Um, I have cerebral palsy myself, um, and the blood flow was cut off, cut off when I was born, and so that kind of affected uh, my growth and development. But it primarily affects um, people's ability to use uh, their motor function, and so it can be mild in the sense of um, Tracy's son has a very mild form. My case is more on the mild side, um, but it can affect everybody from their ability to use their arms and legs. It can affect one side of their body, and, and folks who are um, typically more significantly affected um, than me or than, uh, than Tracy's son. Uh, most folks use some kind of uh, assistive equipment to get around, whether a walker or a wheelchair, braces, um, usually requires, most folks have surgery of, of some sort or even multiple surgeries during the course of their development. And even in the most significant cases, it can even affect 
uh, someone's ability um, in their speech and their ability um, to talk and to eat um, and, and kind of everyday motor function. So affects a lot of people. Uh, the most recent um, Center for Disease Control Research tells us that about one in 250 births um, is affected by cerebral palsy. And we think that right now there are somewhere around 10, between 10 and 12,000 folks in Indiana that are living with cerebral palsy. So, uh, so it's a lot broader than you think. And again, it is the most common form of physical disability. Is it genetic? Is it a function of something going wrong with the birth? I mean, what is the origin of it? So it's a great, it's a great question, Chris. And up until um, actually very, very recently, uh, we believed it was not genetic at all, that it was due to some form of um, trauma associated in birth, usually some kind of a lack of oxygen um, during the birth process um, that it kind of affects that, that initial development. Uh, onset is always by the age of two um, to be a developmental disability. So it, some kind of trauma in there. Um, in many cases, um, we don't know exactly the cause of it. It's just sort of, you know, the child has CP and the doctors aren't really sure. Um, but actually, the, the latest research says that there may be a genetic component, um, some, predi some uh, predisposition to it. Um, but it's still, even in those cases, we still know that it requires some kind of trauma at birth. Um, and we know that uh, good prenatal care um, can be can help mitigate that. Um, certainly doesn't uh, preclude somebody from having that. Uh, but good good maternal care, prenatal care can be a good um, can be a deterrent to that um, to, to some extent. So uh, we promote that as well. Now, Lee, you've been involved with the United Cerebral Palsy Association of Greater Indiana for decades now. Why is this personal to you? Well, it started, again, 30 years ago. I walked into Donna Roberts, the executive director at the time. I walked into her office, and I saw pictures of children using adaptive wheelchairs and bicycles. And at the time, my two kids were small and were healthy and running. And I just felt um, a responsibility to do something to help parents who were not as fortunate um, as we were to have children that did not have uh, a physical disability. Uh, and so Donna asked me to volunteer and I started out as a volunteer and 30 years later, I'm still with the organization and watching it do amazing things to help families with cerebral palsy. Uh, so Tracy, maybe speak to a parent that may be listening that uh, has a newborn and how do you find out that your child has cerebral palsy? What are, what, what feelings and thoughts go through your mind and what do you do next? Uh, well, initially um, we knew about the stroke of birth um, day two. So we found out early enough to uh, intervene and uh, have some wonderful specialists here in Indianapolis assist us with, with um, our son Cole on, on many different levels. Um, they, they being the doctors described to us probably around 12 months, they said, we'll kind of see how he does uh, if, and when he starts walking. Um, but they also, alluded to us that we would need to watch for in case he starts to walk on his toes to pay attention to that um, because that could be a sign of cerebral palsy. At the time, my husband and I were um, upset to hear that because we thought, well, you know, there's so many things going on right now and it's very overwhelming and cerebral palsy to us sounded like just yet another label to add to all the other ones that Cole had. Um, Understanding, though, after doing some research that cerebral palsy 
comes from, you know, as Mike was saying, trauma at birth. Um, so brain bleed, that sort of thing. And, and his was a lack of oxygen during birth. Um, so I think the most important thing was um, for my husband and I was to really reach out to the community, uh, learn as much as we could about everything that we were trying to grasp at that time. Um, learning that, um, that there's this wonderful organization uh, that was there to help those with cerebral palsy, not knowing again what my son may or may not need at the time for assistance. Um, and something as wonderful as even um, horseback riding and, and therapy of that nature was an option as well. So just such a terrific group to be a part of. How did you find out about the United Cerebral Palsy Association of Greater Indiana, which can be found at ucpand.org. I should mention that uh, more. I'm sorry. Uh, how did you find the organization? How did you reach out to them? It was simply just a web search. Mm. I found them on the web uh, when I was Googling some information about cerebral palsy to learn more. Found out that this wonderful group was, again, here in Indy and that that was just an access um, to a group that I didn't even realize existed at the time. Um, so it was pretty simple search. Now, Mike, when somebody reaches out to your organization, what's the what's the process? I imagine maybe they send, uh, you know, they get a hold of you on the website and they contact you. What happens next? So usually people contact us um, for a variety of ways. And we do get, as Tracy said, probably folks just Google. A lot of folks will just Google cerebral palsy in Indiana. And then we pop up. They reach out to us that way. We get a lot of communication through our website. We have a Facebook page as well uh, and phone and email. So we get a lot of inquiries that um, through that method. And then, Chris, it really kind of depends on what folks' needs are. For a lot of the folks that we receive, that we get questions for, probably 60 to 70% is just folks wanting to know what services are available or information about cerebral palsy. When we look at um, when we get questions from the community, there's really a few key points in someone's life that we really get a lot of questions. And one of them is those, those parents who first get the diagnosis that their children have cerebral palsy. And then we get a lot of folks reaching out then and they're kind of in that same phase as Tracy of sort of what's this mean? You know, what is the question? You know, what is cerebral palsy? How is this going to affect my, my son or my daughter? Uh, and then folks tend to reach out as well when kids are starting school because there's a lot of questions around what services are available in school and how do I advocate for what my what my child needs and you know what are my what are my options and then again we get um, a lot of contact points when kids are graduating or when they're finishing school because parents and, are, and kids are starting to think about what's next you know is, is college or post secondary an option what's what's my employment options what are my community living you know choices all of those things. Uh, and then we tend to get um, another round of questions as uh, parents age, if they're taking care of uh, older children. And then when that becomes physically um, a, a tricky thing to do, we tend to get a lot of folks reaching out for assistance. And so it really kind of just depends, but we do a lot of just referring folks to community services, making sure they have the most up-to-date information on treatment for cerebral palsy, um, other resources. Um, but our primary program that we do is we help people buy the equipment that they need. 
So a lot of folks with cerebral palsy need complex equipment like wheelchairs and walkers, braces and orthotics, and that can cost anywhere from a few hundred dollars up to $25,000. And as we all know, uh, with health, health insurance, even with health insurance, things can be incredibly expensive. Um, even with uh, Medicaid and Medicare and other services, there's still a lot of out-of-pocket out of expenses. And for a lot of families, it's, it's a hurdle that they can't that they can't cross. And so we're fortunate enough to have funding to help people to pay for that. And so if they reach out to us looking for those services, then it's a simple uh, three-page application that folks fill out. And then we process that and start the approval process and usually can get something funded uh, within six to eight weeks. So it's a pretty quick turnaround, unfortunately. And that's something that we pride ourselves for because usually when folks reach out, you know, they're really in need. Um, so it's something that we don't, we don't try to... Um, you know, make any harder or any longer than it absolutely has to be. Talking to the United Cerebral Palsy Association of Greater Indiana, that was Mike Fodrell, who's the executive director, uh, Tracy Ford, who is also on the board and a parent with a son with cerebral palsy. And also with us is longtime board member Lee White. And so over your 30 years of volunteering your time for the organization through these programs, Lee, what are some of the success stories that when I say, Give me an example of, of someone's life that was changed by your organization. What are a couple of those shining moments that you, you think about and, and just that keep you going that can give uh, folks some hope? Well, I'd have to first of all say my own <laughs> because um, my life has been permanently changed by the experiences that I've had working with this organization. Uh, Mike Fodderell, for instance, was our first scholarship winner uh, graduating from high school. Uh, and I can remember meeting Mike and thinking, wow, this guy has his black belt. Um, he's uh, intelligent. He's, you know, focused. And I just we all both knew that someday he would grow up and be an integral part of this organization. And of course, uh, that that prophecy came true as Mike is now the executive director. So I would say his life, my life, my kids have grown up volunteering in the events that we've had, whether it were golf tournaments or uh, fundraisers for United Cerebral Palsy. So it's been a huge part of my life. And, and I know I joke about them not firing me. And, and I remember Donna Roberts telling me once that, yeah, we'll let you off the board. Uh, I'll announce it at your funeral, something <laughs> of that to that effect. So think I'm here to stay and hopefully Mike will keep me around and, and Tracy appreciates the things that I'm trying to do to help her and families that have uh, cerebral palsy in their lives. Uh, so Mike, that's, that's a great story. I mean, so you've been personally impacted by that work. I mean, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I, in um, 1996, um, actually I graduated uh, high school and um, fortunately, my mom actually worked in the same office as Donna, the former executive director. And that's how my mom and Donna met. And they kind of struck up a friendship. And then uh, as I was graduating, uh, I had a chance to meet Donna, the executive director. And she thought, you know, that um, I, I guess that I had I had some some really good potential um, as, as somebody to come back and lead. And she told me about the scholarship program uh, and that UCP offers for high school seniors. And so I, I applied for that. Um, and was fortunate enough to win. And it was the first year that the scholarship was given out. Um, and it was just really, you know, it helped me um, to further my education. Uh, I went to Xavier uh, University in Cincinnati uh, and then came back for my master's at IUPUI 
Um, so right here in Indianapolis and UCP was a real key element in helping me to uh, be able to, to achieve those educational goals. And then when I got back to uh, Indianapolis, I was looking to get involved in the community and kind of make an impact. And Donna reached out to me and said, why don't you join one of our committees, our program committee, and kind of helps us to kind of oversee the programs that we do and make recommendations on, you know, who we should serve and how, how to do that the best we can. And I did that. And then um, they said, well, you're doing a great job after about a year. Why don't you join the board? And uh, I met a, this other uh, young guy, Lee White, that was on the board then too. And he said, why don't you come join the board with me and some other board members? And, you know, it's just been, it's been really uh, meaningful for me um, for, you know, a few reasons. For one, that the organization was able to help me to get the education to come back and make an impact, you know, and two, you know, I look at my circumstances uh, and I think of myself as very fortunate. I mean, I have cerebral palsy and it does affect me somewhat, but my case is very mild and I'm able to do a lot of things um, much more easily than a lot of folks with cerebral palsy. So I know that I look at myself as being pretty lucky in that regard and that I've had a lot of opportunities uh, thanks to people like Donna and Lee and other people in my life that have given me a chance to do some really great things. And I want to make sure that other folks with cerebral palsy have a chance to have that kind of um, opportunity too, because you know, just having one or two uh, helping hands can really make a big difference. And you never know just that little push in the right direction. If we help somebody buy a wheelchair and now they're able to get a job and go to school and that was going to be a difficult thing for them before, you never know what kind of positive impact that's going to have in their life. I mean, they may go on to do really fantastic things and we might have been able to be a piece of that. And so just being able to have that potential impact on uh, Hoosiers with cerebral palsy, it's just really something that really just... Um, it really just means a lot to me because uh, the organization was able to do that same thing for me. Very good. We're speaking to the United Cerebral Palsy Association of Greater Indiana. You can find out more information about them at ucpaindy.org. Um, let's talk about the ways that you fundraise because it sounds like, you know, it's very capital intensive what you do in terms of buying a lot of this equipment. Lee, what are some ways that you raise money as a board member and, and as an organization? Well, obviously we, we focus on finding donors who have a passion for people with disability and certainly family members of people with cerebral palsy who have means. Um, we try to target them. Um, we also do a lot of work in the corporate community. That's been my role in, in connecting some of the corporate contacts that I have developed over the years. Uh, to sponsor events like our women's golf tournament. We're one of the few women-only golf tournaments uh, in the city, and we've done that tournament over 13, 14 years, um, and it has become a popular can't-miss event. Uh, we've also, uh, we had a fundraiser back in the day, Mike. Uh, we did a telethon that actually was very successful back when telethons were very um and prominent. So they may have we, to come back. <laughs> yeah. Zoomathon. Um, but it's just been wonderful. And of course, the, this new event that we're launching, uh, actually, tomorrow is the launch day. The uh, 2020 Panda Academy Awards is the, we think it's going to be the biggest fundraising event that we've ever imagined. Uh, people will submit videos about, uh, I love my blank with a disability. So it's not just about people with cerebral palsy, but disabilities uh, of all kinds, showing that people with disabilities need love as well as anyone else. And so we, we think this fundraiser patterned around the Academy Awards uh, is going to be a game changer for the organization. 
Where can people find out more information about that, Mike? Yeah, the best way to do that is just go to our website, and that's ucpaindy.org. And that launches uh, on July 15th. So um, so on July 15th, that's open, and contest uh, is open through September 15th. So folks have um, two months to do that. It's a 90-second video, and you can enter that for $10. Uh, and then if you're picked as a winner, you, as Lee said, you get to come to our uh, award show here in Indianapolis, or we'll Zoom you in if you're around the country as well. But um, some really nice... Um, I, I think some really nice goodie bags and things for the winners. We're going to have some celebrities there. Um, so you get a chance to meet and kind of hobnob with some, with some uh, prominent folks here in Indianapolis. And uh, it should be a great event. Tracy, do you have your camera ready? Do you have your script written? Uh, uh, working on it. Uh, not, uh, not too worried about it because I'm looking forward to submitting our story. And uh, not sure if we'll win anything, but, <laughs> but definitely being a part of it. Excellent. Very good. So we're coming to the end. What are some ways uh, that people can get involved in the organization that they can help them? Let's uh, let's ask Mike Fodderell, who's the executive director of the United Cerebral Palsy Association of Greater Indiana. Yeah, so we're always looking for uh, people to get involved. We need folks um, that can that can join our uh, that are looking to join our board um, with a variety of backgrounds in in fundraising and finance and, and a legal background. Um, so any of that is always prominent for our board. We're also looking for folks that just want to help us um, and do things like help us to pick the folks that should get. Um, our funding. We all we always get tons of applications for assistance that we're always trying to figure out how to prioritize those things. And we're looking for community members to help us to do that. Uh, we still offer the scholarship program, um, as we talked about earlier, and helping have, having folks to help us to judge those um, and, and to pick those winners is always great. Um, so, and we have a variety of other volunteer opportunities. And again, the best way to reach out to us uh, is just on the website, the UCPA. Uh, org, and we'll have uh, our most current needs on there and pe- folks can reach out and we can if you have a passion and an interest in helping folks with cerebral palsy we'll find we'll find something for you to help us with all right i like to end every show by asking what is the thing that you see every day in your work that you'd like everybody to know and we'll just go down the line so let's start with with mike what what is the thing that you see every day that you just wish people understood about cerebral palsy or your work for me, it's just the the range of dynamic people that I meet and talk to with cerebral palsy that are doing all kinds of things. Um, everything from just working and going to school to having a family to contributing to their community in lots of different ways. It just I'm just constantly amazed by the people that are doing great things. And it's easy for us, I think, to um, you know make assumptions about people with disabilities um, and just. But just I'm always reminded of just the fantastic things that folks can do. So that um, just impresses me every day. Lee? For me, it's just understanding that we all have some type of disability and that when we start to judge others based on their disabilities, either visual or unseen, uh, we tend to uh, forget that, you know, we all have issues. Um, And so I'd just like to see more awareness of the fact that there are many different types of disabilities that affect people. Um, and that it's too easy to judge people based on their appearance and not by what's in their heart, what's in their minds, and the contributions they can make to society. Tracy, what about yourself? You know, really can't help but echo Mike and Lee. Um, but as a parent, you know, you just you want your child to 
not feel any different than anyone else. Um, and my goal as, as a parent is for him to be independent, uh, have self-esteem and confidence. And no matter uh, how he may feel or uh, look physically or mentally, the, I, the idea is just for him to say, you know what, so what? I'm a, I'm a great kid. I've, I've got some really strong attributes to, and characteristics to offer people. Um, and, uh, just to look past that and, and make that truly secondary. Very good. It has been great talking to all three of you. Mike Fodrell, who is the executive director of the United Cerebral Palsy Association of Greater Indiana, Lee White and Tracy Ford, who are board members. You can find out more about their organization at ucpand.org. Please make sure you check out their website. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Uh, Mike, final thoughts. If Is there anything else that maybe we missed through the episode that you'd like to share? I think we covered things pretty well, but I would just encourage everybody, if they're interested, um, participating in our Panda Academy Awards, as Lee talked about. So um, just check out our website and, uh, and submit a video. When does that end, by the way? September 15th. Okay. All right. So we have some time. So, yep. all right. Thank, ev- thank you, everyone, for listening to Now Hear This. My name is Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website at nowhearthisindy.com. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please contact Gabby at 317-475-7407 or via the contact page on our website. Thanks for listening, and we will be back again next weekend with Now Hear This. In the span of two years, podcast advertising has become a billion-dollar industry. Why? Changes to social media and search engines aren't getting the same results as they used to. And let's be honest, why would anyone want to financially support them? Plus, the loyal audiences of audio brands have a better return on investment. Need more convincing on that? Look up Edison Research's Infinite Dial. As the longest-running libertarian network, the audience of the We Are Libertarians podcast network have been our partners in growth for almost a decade. We are looking for advertisers that will enhance the lives of our listeners, and we have only six slots available for companies that are looking to grow with us. Volume matters in advertising, and no other libertarian brand can offer you over 40 episodes across 10 shows a month while reaching tens of thousands of people for one easy monthly payment. It is simple. Email me now, Chris Spangle at chrisspangle.com and let us start supporting your business as you support ours.